the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Thank you for listening on the radio. Thank you for paying attention over there on the uh, Periscope, at Eagle Ed Martin on Twitter. You can follow me there, and it is great to be together. So much happening in this uh, crazy, crazy time. I always tell people the weekends are the hardest for me because I spend three days away from you all, and I don't usually jump on Periscope. I certainly don't get on the radio during the weekend, so it makes me a little crazy, but here's what I want to tell you there's a lot to talk about by the way mark schneider in a few minutes mark schneider at sub schneider on twitter he's going to be on the program it's a great interview that we taped last week late last week it'll explain to you how the michael moore documentary fits into the nation and the world moving towards what is the best way for us to succeed on energy independence. And it's not only sort of, um, you know, drill, 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 although it's good. Drilling is good. It's not only uh, that's not it at all. It's also nuclear, but it's how nuclear is going to work. You're going to really love this interview. And I just was thanking Mark uh, on the air for his part in being here now. But what you need to know today is the, the, the fake news. I'm so sick of it. Now, I got my mention on Friday. I talked about my mother and my mother was all torqued up over what the president said because she watches too much CNN. Now I got my mother mad at me because I was talking about the fact that uh, that the that I, what she told me made me so upset because the, there's too many people who are watching the fake news who aren't just misled. They're completely agitated. They're completely made nervous. They're being driven crazy. By the fake news. And, and let me explain to you, over the weekend, the New York Times on the op-ed page of the New York Times. Now, the op-ed page of the New York Times used to be the place to go, right? I mean, for, especially for the left. But now it is, it's a big deal. And they had an essay by the woman, a, a column, by the woman who just won for, uh, for uh, Supreme Court in Wisconsin. And, and the whole, the, the, the article, the column, her name is Jill Karofsky. And she won an election, right? Wisconsin elects their Supreme Court judges. It was a high, a contested election. She won it. And she goes through the whole column. And you know what she does? She's a sitting Supreme Court justice. At the end of it, she's effectively blaming Republicans for killing people. And the New York Times runs this piece as if it's a serious adult piece by a Supreme Court justice. It's insane that they would try to do this. It's insane that they would include this in the, in the paper. And you read it and you're like, how can this be? You know, wh- wh- is it possible that that... And of course, in the middle of it, she says, basically, the only thing we can do now is have early voting. We need to change the elections, election system. We need to make it so everybody can get in there and vote whenever they want. And th- here's the thing. Here's the other way this is going. Over the weekend... Three pieces appear first in Politico, then this morning on the Wall Street Journal, and then later in the morning in Politico again. So the Politico Politico is always how you what you look for for the left wing talking points, what they're saying and what they're uh, uh, heading towards. Politico's reliably left of center. So over the weekend, Politico says, you know what? The only hope 
The only hope is growing government to control everything to try to sustain us. Lengthy, lengthy piece. Unbelievable piece about it. This morning, though, Wall Street Journal and Politico, Politico later in the day, write pieces on how the era of small government is gone and what we need is big government. And everybody agrees on this. And here's what I want to tell you. The fake news is trying to condition you. First of all, anti-Trump. That's easy. But now they're trying to condition you that the only way out is the government managing all these extra details, all these things about our lives. And here's the thing. I'm not sitting here arguing today against some of the ways we've tried to help. I'm not I'm not saying that. I'm saying what they're aiming towards is more control over more of our lives and that's what they're doing. Remember, we had the experience and, and Mark Schneider's on at Sub Schneider is going to be on the show in a minute. He's talking about how nuclear power gives us a way forward and what's been blocking it? The same government that decides we do windmills, that decides we do uh, sun, uh, uh, solar, all these decisions about how we're living, that's just on energy, and more importantly, on all the ways. So here's what I want to tell you. The fake news is just killing us in this country. But I want to pause, and I want to explain to you. This is not, I'm not making, this isn't a fake news is bad thing. This is a fake news is actually hurting people. And there's one level they're hurting people when they say the president said you should ingest disinfectant and therefore some people try it. That's probably true, but it's not the president said that it's the coverage of what the president said that makes people crazy. And, and so you go back down and you say, what is it that's happening on the fake news? The news that they're driving CBS this morning, uh, CBS Sunday morning show, right? CBS Sunday morning. It's usually all these stories. Julie Andrews was interviewed. They had, uh, you know, these anecdotal pieces. The whole first segment was all about how everything that happened that the president did, that the government did was far too late. And you're watching it. If you don't know any better, my daughter, 16 year old daughter is watching it. She's a boy. It sure didn't look like the beginning. I said, none of it's true. They're taking little slices of facts and putting them together in a way to push the narrative that people, nobody knew what was happening. Nobody knew how bad it was going to be. The only thing that we knew was something was wrong in Wuhan and we had to figure out how to adjust. And then we watched Italy and something was really wrong in Italy and we had to adjust. So my point here is that the fake news is now really good at hurting Americans. I don't think that they're hurting you because you're tuned in here. I don't think that they're hurting your family. I hope not. But here's what you have to do. You have to fight your way through all of the fake news to sources like this to understand what's going on. And I'll be clear. I'm not even saying that Fox News is exempt. Fox News is part of the situation and they're generally better. But their business model is similar to the uh, to the. Uh, fake news from CNN and MSNBC. It's not it's not that far off. So you have to be careful that you're not caught in the same trap uh, of the fake news of the general of generally what's happening. And here's here's where it gets a little dicey. The people that are damaged the most that are hurt the most are those among us who are actually the most vulnerable. Now, if you're bad, if you're a rotten person, you say, oh, those are the people that don't matter. They're not smart enough or they're old or whatever. But if you're informed and enlightened and I hope you care and you're a Christian, for example, uh, and you're or you're whatever your faith is that motivates you to be kind to people. And, and here's what you know. Our seniors, 
young people, people that are, are, are looking at this stuff and they're being misled. They're being made crazy. It's actually going to look back on this time in 10 years and we'll say these these uh, fake news institutions did damage to people in ways that you couldn't even you can't even believe they would do. You can't even believe that they would torture people with the kinds of coverage and the kinds of way they're acting. So, again, back to my point. We're living in that. That's the environment now. It's not going to be reformed. It's not going to be changed. You have to help your neighbors and yourself by breaking away from the fake news and finding the places you can rely on, getting the truth, understanding what's going on, figuring out how to uh, to uh, see things and protecting yourselves. But here's the problem. The last and I'll leave it at this and what you need to know. Fake news is hurting us, but we're coming into a time period where as we open up, as we go forward into our old life, you know, towards a new normal, it's going to be dangerous. It's going to be some more people are going to get sick. Some more people are going to be scared. And instead of driving each other crazy with fake news, we've got to drive each other together with the other ways we can do it, other ways we can live. It has, it will have to do with our churches, our communities, our extended families, but we're going into a really tough time. We're going into a time that's going to be harder than people realize. And what you need to know is that the fake news is hurting us. It's hurting our nation. It's damaging our people. And we've got to put it aside and we've got to figure other ways forward. And there's lots of ways to do it. One of them is this show. One of them is this Periscope. One of them is going to our websites and others like us who are talking about the truth and banding together. You know, we had a, we had a prayer for America on Friday and uh, a group of us just get on the phone. I think it was Zoom technically, but nobody's looking at the video and just pray together and try to build a community that can hold together the little bits and pieces, the parts of the, uh, of the, of the nation and the, and the grouping that holds us together and build forward. But we actually are dealing with a serious enemy of we the people. I mean, we really are. And that is the fake news. And that's what you need to know. All right. Well, uh, thank you for uh, tuning in on Periscope. I've got one more thing on Periscope to wrap up with you out there. I'll come get you. But in a moment here on the, the Pro America Report, we're going to talk with Mark Schneider. You're going to want to be tuned in for that interview. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Be back in a minute. Ed Martin and the Pro America Report. On The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. Our old friend, Mark Schneider, at SubSchneider on the Twitter machine. Very, very good Twitter feed. He's got a he's got a following, too. You see his stuff. He has retweeted. People notice what he's doing. He's listened to. And you can also visit gen4nuclear.com, G-E-N, the Roman numeral 4, which is a capital I, capital V, and then nuclear.com to find out more. First of all, welcome, Mark. How are you? And how are you holding up with, uh, I know you got a pack of kids and a, and a busy life. How's everything going with uh, social distancing right now? Um, well, thanks for having me. Uh, actually, you know, my wife and I have had this discussion. It's actually been great for us because we just had a lot more time as a family together. So it's actually been kind of a lot, a lot of fun. Um, although I'm ready for the, you know, the, the country to reopen. But, uh, you know, we're always looking to see the positive and we found some good things here. 
Well, and we're talking to Mark Schneider, and of course, uh, we mentioned off the air that you work in the energy field, and your work hasn't stopped. People are addicted to electricity; they're going to be working. But and so you're, you know, you're, you're in some ways, you're, you're really the, the best of all worlds. You're not only have you still have your job, but you're working hard at it and and still engaged. But Mark, let me. I, I want to have you on right now because this Michael Moore uh, helped fund, I guess, and then is therefore is he a producer of an executive producer of a documentary. And uh, w- walk us through. It's gotten very little attention from the media. So walk us through what it is, what's happened, and what it means. Yeah, so, uh, you know, Michael Moore did this documentary. He was the executive producer of it. Um, and, uh, you know, the big thing is, is the documentary is the, you know, the socialist left-wing view of how renewable energy, wind, solar, and, and uh, biofuels, are just more damaging to the environment than fossil fuels are. So you've got, you know, the ultimate lefty and Michael Moore, who's basically just taken and chopped the legs off of the Green New Deal in this one documentary, which is why the media is not covering it, because it's so damaging to their model. What, what, we're talking with uh, Mark Schneider, at SubSchneider on Twitter. First of all, what's the name of the documentary and where did they release it? It's <clears> not getting any coverage. Yeah, it's it's on YouTube. Uh, I know Breitbart did an article on it, and you can click the link in there, and it's in the in the actual Breitbart article. But it's called um, uh, Planet of the Humans, so like Planet of the Apes, but then it you know uses a very similar feel, um, and it's actually uh, fairly well done. I, I I stomached through and watched it, um, and you know I was I was impressed at uh, a lot of the factual information was in there. There was some that kind of went a little out of left field and went towards their socialist agenda. But overall, the discussions of renewable energy have been right on point for what I've been saying for years. And it, it, it obviously is a huge surprise to you. This is Michael Moore. Again, we're talking Mark Schneider and Michael Moore does a executive produces a documentary called the, the, uh, the planet of the humans, which basically, you know, says most of what they're trying to do on the green new deal. And all this uh, was, is a waste of time. Doesn't work and all. Michael Moore is, I mean, he's certainly iconoclastic. How in the world does he, I mean, how do he do this? I mean, does he just get convinced of the thing? Do you, can you, has he commented now? Is he being attacked by the left? What's, what's, what's the deal? You know, he has been doing some commentary on it. I haven't paid too much attention to, to all of it, but uh, I mean, he is being attacked because, you know, the fact is, is that if you aren't, you know, supporting, you know, wind and solar and biofuels and biomass burning and all that, um, you know, then you're you're the evil person, according to the left. But unfortunately, he basically shows out there and in this documentary shows the amount of deforestation needed to use this stuff, whether it's wind and solar, it just shows how environmentally destructive it is to the point where, I mean, it, it might as well be a pro-oil and gas film because <laughs> uh, they ignore nuclear, which is, you know, the big, my biggest headache with the whole thing is. But I think that overall... He had to get his base going, hey, we've got to do something you know, different because this this green energy thing isn't really green. Is uh, We're talking with Mark Schneider and uh, and uh, at Sub Schneider on Twitter to follow him and see all he's going on. Um, hey, is um, so is it popular? I mean, again, is, is this documentary sort of Michael Moore has a track record of making, uh, you know, pr- of, of doing things that are that get a lot of attention. Do you think it's not getting attention now and it will or do you think it's stuck or what's the story with it? Um, well, I mean, it's only been out since uh, the 22nd. So, I mean, you know, it's just a couple of days old here. 
okay. and so okay. I think it may not be getting a lot of traction because of the newness of it. And, uh, you know, if you look at Mike Cernovich's um, uh, documentary hoax, it took about a year for it to really gain steam. And now it's like in the top 10 on, on Amazon and New York Times, even with the bands that Mike is seeing, I think we'll see something, you know, with Michael Moore with this, where it'll start to steadily gain steam. It, right now it's in the inception of it, but I think it's, it's going to start getting more and more attention. Um, and so folks should watch it. You recommend that they watch it because what you don't see in it, you see it that, that sort of tearing down of a lot of the green ideas. But what's missing is the nuclear, right? If, if you watch it and say to yourself, why, why isn't Michael Moore admitting that nuclear is the solution? And why? why I mean, that's that's missing, right? It is. And, and I think that you have to look at it from, you know, his base has been anti-nuclear, anti-fossil fuels and pro uh you know, the quote-unquote green energies, uh, you know, with the uh, solar and wind and, and biofuels. And this is basically taking and just breaking down his own people. He can't go straight from, you know, I am for wind and solar to now I'm anti-wind and solar and pro-nuclear. So he's got to take this in steps. And I think Michael Moore in the next six months, year or two years, is going to come out in favor of nuclear energy because it really is the only – Car, you know, low carbon emission fuel that exists. All right, give us a give us Mark Schneider an update too on on. Uh, I know the world is kind of frozen, and in many ways, you know, that, that's the number one thing. But what's what's going on with nuclear power uh, in terms of breakthroughs and things? I've watched on your Twitter feed there was some stuff happening a few uh, that I saw four or five weeks ago. Where are we in terms of the the of the uh, g- next generation nuclear power that's you know safe from meltdown, that's able to use its the waste from it uh, down to almost nothing? Give us a kind of update on where we are. Well, so uh, a company called Oklo has submitted the first what the Department of Energy is calling an advanced reactor design. This is one of the Gen 4 designs that can uh, uh, eat nuclear waste as its fuel uh, and is safe from meltdown. So they submitted for licensing. They already have a site to build that. They have a fuel source available. And so now they're, they're in the base of the final stages so they could start their construction in the next year or two. So that's, that's a big advance that occurred since COVID-19 has basically shut the world down. Um, the other thing that we're seeing is that the nuclear industry has really taken a leadership role uh, in being able to get the, the nation back to work. Um, so because of the reactor designs that the U.S. uses, you have to shut them down every 18 months to do a refueling. We've got to bring in hundreds, if not a thousand people to do that. And so they're, and they come from all over the nation at these sites. And so we're, we've seen places like in Limerick, out at Palo Verde and, and uh, Arizona, all these different plants are doing this and they're able to manage, you know, the, the coronavirus with large quantities of people and not being able to socially distance. So we're seeing just a huge, huge capability of the nuclear industry, you know, pushing forward huh. and uh, really setting the standard for the nation to reopen. Is the um, how does the the collapse of oil affect nuclear? I mean, in your sense, does it? Because everyone's scrambling to not have that industry disappear. You know, the the president, and everybody else is saying, "Hey, we can't we can't have that all disappear." But how how's that, how do you feel? How does that affect what's going on? Well, so fortunately for the nuclear industry, zero point five percent of our uh, our electricity is produced uh, via petroleum products. 
So mm-hmm. um, it's really it's really not going to affect the nuclear industry, other than all of the shipping is going to become cheaper because oil, the price of diesel and gasoline is going to be less. So you're going to have higher profit margins in nuclear, which makes it more attractive. I see. Well, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how, again, from this great restart, I mean, one of the things, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're watching is so many things have changed in just uh, uh, five or six, six weeks. Uh, but great. Well, we'll keep an eye on this. It's at, uh, excuse me, it's at Subschneider, uh, Mark Schneider, our man, and uh, check out his Twitter feed, and I'll put it all up on social media. And I guess I have to watch a Michael Moore uh, executive produced uh, a documentary. I'm going to have to sort of uh, kind of hold my breath or something and maybe wear a hazmat suit. I guess we have them around. So, But that's your recommendation, right, Mark? I, I would um, uh, and understand that you, you have to hold your nose through the, uh, the socialist parts. But uh, overall, the documentary <laughs> does do a good job of tearing down uh, the, wind and, the wind and solar and biomass, the renewables. So it does a great job of that. All right. Well, thanks very much, Mark. As always, appreciate it, Mark Schneider. And we'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Be back in a minute. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back, Ed Martin, Pro-America Report. Good to be back. Our friend, Dr. Brett M. Decker, uh, New York Times bestselling author, a journalist, former journalist, and now professor at Defiance College in Ohio, joins us. Uh, Dr. Decker, uh, welcome back. First, let me ask you, um, we were talking off the air, so I sort of know the setup of the question, but you were saying people, we've hit a point here where people have a certain mindset and they're moving ahead. Walk me through what you're seeing and feeling, and you've, you've lived all over the country and the world. What, uh, describe what your sense is of where we are. Yeah, uh, the one thing I noticed yesterday, I was I, I I took a drive to get around the house. You know, nobody else in the car, so I wasn't violating really anything. Um, <laughs> and, and and there were people everywhere, and and they're sort of, um, you know, I think they've reached the limit of uh, of what they're willing to put up with as far as social distancing. And uh, I mean, I drove by like some ice cream stands, and it looked like it was the middle of July on like a Friday night. It was so packed, you know. People hanging really? out, yeah, six, seven people at a picnic table. People talking, people riding their bikes, like to the. So, I, I just noticed in, in parks, people doing normal things as far as you know, quite a people, a bunch of people out, but you know, sitting on park benches next to one another, that kind of thing. So, I, and I've talked to people in different parts of the country, um, and things like for a while, like even just a week ago. A lot of people were wearing masks whenever they would go out, and I don't, I'm not seeing very many masks anymore. So I think, you know, I I, I think in a way it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of like low key resistance and being like, all right, you know, we need other answers than shutting down a twenty trillion dollar economy. You know, so I think people, yeah. like, I, I think people like, look, some places in the country it's a big crisis. Some places really have had no, almost no deaths at all. So the one size fits all. I think people are like look, this part, of, this part of the country, it's not a problem. So why, why am I? You know, people are asking themselves, why am I not working? Why am I having problems paying my bills? Like, you know, the government needs to come up with a better solution. And I think even even something simple, going out on a sunny day, um. Is, is their way of saying enough is enough, you know? So I, you know, what this leads to, I don't know. Right. I mean, do, do we, 
um, you know, what's too early and what's not early enough, you know, for um, gradually unraveling um, the lockdown? I don't know. You know, does this risk um, a second wave that bites us hard? I mean, I, I, right, it's, I, I have no idea. So, yeah, I mean, um, I, I, well, I, and, and but let me ask you, let me ask you the po- politics of it. You're in Ohio and I've, I've noticed online sort of uh, Governor DeWine is getting a, a bit more grief now. And, you know, it feels like a lot of the sort of conservatives, Tea Party folks are like, all right, look, we, we took your word for it, but now we got to move forward. And 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 uh, so they are is, you know, and, and, and no matter what. I've, I mean, I've read all the, the the data on it, and and not just the data, but the the likely scenarios. It's not going to be easy, right? It, this is a nasty bug, so we can't stay yeah. in, in bed forever. So we got to get out. But as you point out, you, you know, you got two thousand people a, a day dying in America right now from this terrible disease. That's nobody's fault. And and if, if we had all been hanging out at the ball games and and um, and not doing the social distancing, maybe it would be a lot more. But it, it doesn't look like it's going to be a lot less for a while. It starts to become uh, politically. Whoever's holding the the uh, reins of power pays the price. No, I, I mean I think so. Right? It's it's one of those things. Like at a certain point, you're in a no win situation as a leader, right? I mean, you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you take um, really strong precautions and really strict rules, everyone's going to have pushback and say, "All right, it's time for this to be over and for life to return to normal." But if you make the call and go back to normal too soon and a bunch of people get sick on your watch, so it's one of those things, right? But the one thing I do think, no one wants to talk about it because of this, this, um, you know, this, this sort of preoccupation to there's only one consideration, and that consideration is um, sort of life only. Well, it, you can only make the world so safe, right? So... Some things make sense, and at a certain point, you're balancing risk and consequences and, and looking at probability and that kind of thing. So, uh, like, what if the bug doesn't go, like, doesn't go away for a year? Does that mean we lock down for a year? I think at some point you're like, okay, what do we need to do to protect the most vulnerable populations and the rest of people have to get back to normal because, I mean, the consequences of having no economy and going into a depression, right, a lot worse than than one or two thousand. Eventually, it's a, it's a lot worse, right? So you have to balance these considerations at some point. No one wants to do it because I mean, I think right, we have a culture. A lot fewer people um, have religion. A lot of people have a lot more. A lot fewer people have faith than they used to. So they want to hold on to every minute because they don't know if there's anything next. And I I think that leads to some of this, some of these decisions, right? I mean. We're- yeah, um, we're, we're, we're talking with uh, Dr. Brett M. Decker. All right. Well, let me ask you about um, uh, but uh, but the economy, uh, Brett, um, you know, stock market sort of yo-yoed and, and is what it is. But it doesn't look like the stock market it looks like the Fed and these bailouts have basically put a floor. I heard Mark Cuban describe that. He said there's a floor on the stock market. You're just not it's not it's not going to be allowed to crash. But there's no floor on, you know, the tens of millions of workers at restaurants, because I don't think even you you said, oh, yeah, OK, the outdoor um, ice cream stand is going. That's good. But I don't think you're going to go. But I don't think like my my wife, you know, you know, you know, my wife and our four kids, you know, on 16 down to eight. I don't think we're going to naturally go out to dinner you know, once or twice a month like we did. We may go out once every six months in the next six months, but that means that all those restaurants are going out of business. 
I mean, there's not one of them that's going to survive if they're down. If, if, a, if a restaurant is down 20%, they're closed within a month or two. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's an important point. Like, like a lot of restaurants, like, it's about as tough a business as you can get into, right? One, yeah. one of the classes right. I teach here at college is entrepreneurship. I give them the numbers on how many restaurants close every year. Yeah. It's tough. Even right. if you do everything right, it's just the economics are tough. So even good restaurants are pretty close to the margin on a week-to-week and month-to-month basis. Like, there are lots of restaurants, favorite restaurants you can go to, and they're always packed, and then one day they're closed, and you're like, hey, why is that place closed? That's in a good yeah, economy, exactly. right? So, right, right. You know, and, and this thing about habits that you bring up, I think really important, like, you know, not a big surprise. I'm used to a somewhat bachelor lifestyle, a lot of, like, restaurant-heavy, you know? Like, right. when different economic surveys, how often do you eat out, and it has, like, you know, one to two a week, two to two or four times a week, five and over. I'm like, wow, five's the high end of how often you eat out a week. <laughs> well, I have a month now of, of making two meals a day at home. It's cheaper after you get used to it. Other, you know, after you get used to the cleanup, which is a pain in the neck. Well, it's healthier, it's cheaper, and you get in the habit of doing it. So just on my spending, it's going to be a lot less on restaurants when and if we ever go back to normal, right? So... Um, well, and and, and my point, my, my point there, my point, yeah, my my point there is, my point there is that the floor for Wall Street may be built in now, it may be baked in where it won't crash, and the floor may be built in for the big banks where they won't go bust, but the floor for Main Street and for you know uh, Restaurant Inc. and I don't mean the chains because they probably can figure their way through it. It's pretty brutal, and now you're talking about you know you're talking about you know I don't know is does unemployment park itself at uh, you know, five or six or eight or nine percent. It, it, it's pretty tough to grow your economy in that environment. I mean, I, again, I, at the end yeah. of the day, I'm not saying I have an answer, but I'm just I'm describing yeah. what looks like the facts of life. Yeah. Well, one thing, there is no floor on the stock market. I wish there were. People like Mark uh-huh. Cuban, they have businesses they need to protect. So part of that is being, you know, part of that is being in the business of trying to spin things optimistically when you can. Right. So uh, the stock market, though, is looking for any excuse to rally. So, you know, one positive word here, one one trend, you know, the trend goes down by five people in New York. The stock market's going to rally. But if we really in this we get into this second quarter and unemployment's really 16 percent, we see the economy drop by 30 percent quarter on quarter astronomical numbers you're going to see that stock market hit. It, they're just, it's going to give any little excuse it can have to, to have right. sort of a base strength. It's going to, it's going to grab onto, but there is no floor. I mean, I, you know, that thing can, that thing can fall in banks. Banks are used to all kinds of risky behavior and they haven't really improved their behavior since the 08, 09 collapse. Um, they right. just fall back on if times are tough, the country needs banks and the government will bail them out. So, um, yeah. you know, and so far no, it's been true. That's the problem. That's all the time, and that hasn't changed. Sorry. 
Yeah, yeah, that's so far it's been true for them. They got they got a they got a pretty good racket and they're going in the right direction. All right, well, I don't have time, uh, Doctor uh, Decker, to, to to we'll come into it next week. But I did see Politico, of course, previewing the left uh, left's uh, ideas of a dream scenario, proclaiming how Herbert Hoover had it right when he started setting up these massive government-run bureaucracies to control the kind of uh, the flow of capital. And I thought they're trying to tell me Herbert Hoover how how well that turned out for him. I, you know, again, politically disastrous. I don't even know. I guess I'm not economist enough to know the reality. We'll have to, we'll have to put that off till next week. Dr. Brett M. Decker, New York Times bestselling author and uh, professor of the youth of America at a Defiance College in Ohio. We'll talk next week. Thank you. Have a good week. And uh, we will take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be back in just a moment. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer, San Diego. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Presenting a daily conservative pro-family perspective since 1983 and continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. At 5 p.m. on February 5th, virtually the exact moment President Trump was being acquitted by the Senate, the Department of Homeland Security published official notice that New York residents are no longer eligible to participate in the trusted traveler programs known as Global Entry, Nexus, Sentry, and FAST. The reason DHS made this bold move is because these federal programs depend on state driver's license data. A shocking law passed by the Democrat state legislature in New York and signed by Governor Andrew Cuomo prohibits the State Motor Vehicle Bureau from sharing driver's license data with Immigration and Customs Enforcement, known as ICE. In order to preserve the integrity of the trusted traveler programs, the Trump administration had to take this quick action. Because New York had no problems endangering national security to score a few political correctness points, Trump ordered DHS to deny permits to about 86,000 New Yorkers with applications pending and return their $100 fee. Another 800,000 New Yorkers who are already enrolled in those programs won't be able to renew them when the five-year permits expire. It should come as no surprise to the state legislature of New York that Trump took this action. Driver's license databases are the primary source of data for federal agencies to check on DWIs and other serious traffic offenses. Those are the offenses that disqualify someone from becoming a trusted traveler. Trump's new policy does not apply to the TSA and their pre-check program, but that could quickly change. TSA still has access to state driver's license data at this time. DHS Acting Deputy Secretary Ken Cuccinelli warned that in the future, New Yorkers might be excluded from pre-check also. If the Trump administration were to shut off TSA privileges for frequent New York travelers, then liberal officials would quickly back down in their defiance. No liberal cries of foul play will keep Donald Trump from doing what he has to do. He's not a politician after all. He's a fighter for the Americans who voted for him. Once again, our president has kept his promise to never back down in a fight for Americans. Not even his native New York stands a chance of that. Thanks for listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. You'll be glad to know the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly continues. Upheld by Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Chairman Helen Marie Taylor, Treasurer John Schlafly, a full staff in St. Louis in our nation's capital, and thousands of citizen volunteers, her eagles, across the country. You can be part of that legacy at phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Well,
Welcome back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. Hey, the title of this segment, if you want to listen to the whole segment, all I'm going to do for the next five and a half minutes is talk about uh, General Mike Flynn and how it's time to hashtag free General Flynn. You know, look, it's um, one of the great privileges of running the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, our many organizations, is we've had some extraordinary events. You know, a few years ago when Phyllis was alive, we had, you know, Huckabee and Carson and Rick Perry and all these different presidential folks come to town. We had uh, Donald Trump come to town when Phyllis and I endorsed him. Uh, we had, uh, well, Trump came to Phyllis's funeral, but I met, I met all, a lot of these people and I've had a great, great, Rand Paul, uh, great privilege to get to connect with everybody and uh, really spectacular. But one of the most amazing periods was the weekend at Eagle Council two years ago in September. When General Mike Flynn came out, oh, and I should say, one of the big people I got to know was General uh, Jack Singlob, who's uh, close to 100 years old. He was a World War II hero, then he was a hero in every war after that. Amazing General Singlob. He lives down in Franklin, Tennessee. But So we had uh, at our Eagle Council two-plus two years ago uh, General Mike Flynn, who received the Singlob Award. And I got to tell you, sometimes you meet people and they live up to their billing, and sometimes you meet people and they don't, more often than not in a way, they don't, you know, when people are bigger than life and you meet them, they tend to fit into life, you know, they fit. And so, but here's the thing, General Mike Flynn, who to me has a reputation bigger than life always did, or as long as I knew of him, you know, big time, smart guy, heroic, you know, self-made up from nothing. He's not a West Point guy. He went to, uh, I think University of Rhode Island and worked his way up in the army and fought in all the wars and, but was cutting edge, smart, all that stuff. His mother, by the way, was a great pro-life Democrat, pro-life leader in Rhode Island. So that old-fashioned Democrat Catholics that were pro-life still back when they allowed that in the Democrat Party. But so General Flynn, he lived up to it. I mean, the guy's spectacular as a guy, as a guy to talk to, to hang out with. We honored him in, in St. Louis. Then a few months later, I don't know, six months later, he and I went down to Franklin, Tennessee to visit General Singlob. I mean, extraordinary, right? Just Just a spectacular guy. Really one of the more impressive people I've met. And at the time, he was in the first year and a half of this pathetic torture by the deep state against him. Just pathetic. And at the time, to be honest, I didn't talk to him much about it. I, I didn't say much about it at all. I still haven't really, because it just was kind of like, oh, you know, stiff upper lip. This is what he had to go through, and it felt like a setup, but he's got to do. He knows what he's doing. And then um, he made clear he was going to fight because he had been misled and it just was the wrong thing. And so his fight's been going on. And I just have to tell you, it's just too long. Of all the things, it's, it's too long and it's too wrong. Of all the things that have happened in this country that make you shake your head, like we didn't ex execute the war in Vietnam to some extent, right? We didn't, uh, you know, kind of treat our Vietnam veterans well after the war. That's true for sure. We didn't um, uh, handle the Iraq war and, and the post 9-11 the way looking back we would have liked to. There was, you know, there was, mis there was misinformation. Well, whatever it is, you can always look backwards and see something and say, could you do better? I mean, the Democrats right now are making hay trying to say that, you know, everybody should have known the Wuhan flu, the Wuhan uh, COVID was going to be as bad as it's been. But here's one thing you can know. This period of time and what's happened to this man, General Flynn, is one of the most extraordinary and despicable chapters in history, period. I mean, maybe there were Roman 
generals that were mistreated by the the Roman uh, government or something. Maybe there was betrayal in the in the uh, the French uh, governments. You know, maybe there was I don't know. Maybe there was historically moments, and we don't know about them because we don't have the same kind of history. But I can tell you from where I sit and the stories that came out in the last four days, and there'll be more out now, are just absolutely despicable. But here's what I want to tell you. The pivot in history will be pivoting on on Jeff Jensen. He's the U.S. attorney from Missouri for the Eastern District of Missouri. I went to law school with the guy. At the time, he was in the FBI. He's going to law school at night and on the side. Became a lawyer. First rate guy. Looked like an FBI agent. Clean cut. Handsome guy. Like 6'2". Good guy. Nice guy. Pleasant. No BS. No macho-ness. No arrogance. Just a good guy. Like you would think. Like, man, I expect my... Uh, FBI agents to be exceptional, just like I expect my army generals to be exceptional. Well, you meet General Flynn, exceptional. You meet Jeff Jensen, exceptional. Then he practiced law as a prosecutor, like a junior prosecutor, feds. Then he was in private practice. Now he's U.S. attorney picked by Trump. He was assigned by Attorney General Barr to review the Flynn case, and he's been doing it. And he's pulling the string on this dog meat hoax mess, this coup. And when history's written, Jeff Jensen's part of it. I'm not saying he's the one that solved it. He's just the one who had the courage to pull the string and and shine a light. And I'm hopeful. I mean, I'm prayerful, but I'm hopeful. This week, soon, we're going to get out that we're going to free General Flynn. It's time. It's time. It's, It's been too long and it's too wrong. So I hope you join me in that. Keep an eye on Jeff Jensen. Say a prayer for Mike Flynn. And let's hope that America can get through this. We have to. All right. Thank you for listening. Don't forget edmartinlive.com to get the show. Sign up for the emails. Thank you to Noah for his awesome job with the program, putting it all together. Joanna for helping book our guests. And especially, again, you, the listeners. We'll be back tomorrow night. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then.